0: is called Deuteronomy from uh, an old word which means the second giving of the law. The law of Israel gets repeated twice. The first time it's given is in the book of Exodus, straight after the Israelites had been liberated from the land of Egypt. They'd been set free from Egypt, and we're going to be looking at that in a little while, and then God gave them the law on Mount Sinai. And Marisa read us a little bit about that. Then they wandered for 40 years, for a whole generation. In fact, a whole, that whole generation who'd first heard the law died out. Um, and at the end of that 40 years, uh, they were preparing to enter the promised land. And Moses, this time, stood up and uh, repeated the law and taught them the law Uh, in ways that were particularly relevant to uh, uh, the life they were about to start settled in the promised land. Hence it is that you get the Ten Commandments twice in the Old Testament. Once when God first speaks it and then this time when Moses reminds them about the Ten Commandments and then spends chapter after chapter explaining them to us. We're going to be only looking at the... the, uh, um, Uh, the Ten Commandments, and we could have, to be honest, chosen to look at them from either Exodus or Deuteronomy. Um, We're going to be seeing how the rest of the Bible, actually the whole of the rest of the Bible, um, understands these Ten Commandments over these uh, uh, 11 weeks that we're studying uh, these 10 words, as they were called, to the people of Israel. And uh, I'm going to read to you the whole of Deuteronomy 5, 1 to 20, though we're only going to look, really, at a couple of verses at the beginning to introduce it this morning. (coughs) Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, O Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our fathers that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive today. There's a question for those who are doing house groups, which we're not going to look at this morning. How could he say that when they weren't alive? Um, But uh, God had spoken to a previous generation. But he does. The Lord spoke to you face to face, out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between the Lord to, and you to declare to you the word of the Lord because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, or daughter, or your manservant, or maidservant, nor your ox, or donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land, his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbour. These are the commandments the Lord proclaimed in a loud voice to the whole assembly there on the mountain from out of the fire, the cloud and the deep darkness. And he added nothing more, and he wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me, says Moses. Well, let's ask God to help us to, to at least begin uh, to understand these ten words for us today. Let's pray. We bow before you this morning, Lord, as um, those who are conscious that you spoke in an awesome way to your people long ago, out of fire and cloud. You yourself carved these tablets so that your people would have these ten words to them. But Lord, it is amazing that the New Testament says you speak more powerfully, more clearly, more profoundly today as your Holy Spirit works in our hearts as we come to understand your written word. So Lord, with that eager expectation, we ask that you would do that, that you would help us, your people, to understand your living word and through understanding to be brought closer to you, to know more about who we are and, Lord, to have a a living and vibrant hope for eternity. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't think anyone's very keen on rules these days, are they? It was expressed very clearly in a song a a few decades ago. See if you can recognise which song these are the lyrics to. There is nothing you can do that can't be done, nothing you can sing that can't be sung, nothing you can say, but you can learn how to play the game. It's easy. Nothing you can make that can't be made, no one you can save that can't be saved, Nothing you can do, but you can learn how to be you in time. It's easy. Thank you very much. All you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love, love. Love is all you need, said the Beatles. Well done, Marisa. I don't think people actually uh, have been very strongly persuaded since the 60s that it is easy, as they claimed it was, that it's easy to play the game, that it's easy to be you, as they put it. I think actually people today think it's quite difficult. And the film, um, The Beach, uh, epitomized where uh, I think many, many people are right now. There's Uh, a young man played by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is searching for a good time and uh, uh, on a website he clicks on uh, paradise and uh, ends up uh, going to a beautiful desert island. And half the island is actually used by uh, evil drug barons. But um, DiCaprio's little community is is, is allowed to uh, have the other half of the island as their own little paradise. Perhaps if you just uh, cut out the really nasty people out of uh, society, says the film, shut them away, then uh, uh, the rest of us can uh, live in uh, uh, perhaps in a little paradise (coughs) where everybody uh, uh, lives and lives. But in their paradise, it doesn't work. The life of the community is uh, torn apart by infidelity and deceit and, and a callous lack of compassion. And it all ends in a terrible disaster. The Beatles were so wrong. It is not easy to play the game. We need to know the rules. It's also, I think, very obvious that people today are re- realising it's not, not even easy to be me. They, a band called Alice in Chains, which I have to confess is not top of my listening uh, priorities, um, sang a song which I think was called I Don't Know, repeatedly said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know who I am. I don't know who to be. Lane uh, Staley, the guitarist in the band, once said At the end of the day, or at the end of the party, when everyone goes home, you're stuck with yourself. He died this year of a heroin overdose. And no one found his body for two weeks. As we look then over the next few few uh, weeks at the, uh, the Ten Commandments, those famous ten words from God, we need to uh, be very aware that we're living in a world that, that ignores them by and large. Many people say they follow them but have never read them. Marisa was very candid in um, confessing even herself that uh, it is difficult to remember them. By and large, actually, today, people don't even bother to pretend to respect them. Children, actually, in the schools, are taught from a very early age that learning how to live is, is much more a matter of personal choice and decision than it is about learning the rules of life. But it seems to me that as people grow up ignoring these words from God, ignoring the rules, They find out for themselves that it doesn't work. A world uh, where we make up the rules promises to be a paradise, but it so easily turns into a hell like that film The Beach. A world in which we make the rules actually leaves us confused about how to live, about who we are. It actually can lead very, very easily to the despair of Lane Staley. So we're going to read the Ten Commandments actually not as authoritarian statements from a tyrannical God. We're going to read them as they were meant to be read, as statements effectively about who we are as human beings. How actually we can live successfully and find contentment in the real world. That's why I've I've called the series, ten truths for today and we've, uh, we've re-jigged those commandments in terms of uh, the truth that they are stating about this world. Because uh, God says to us we need to understand this world in order to live properly in it. Only as we understand what these commandments, you see, are telling us, we'll be able to, at the end of the day, look in the mirror and say, thank God I know who I am. I know how to live a healthy life. I know how to live with other people. And I am at peace. That's our aim, then, in this, in this series. And uh, this morning we're just going to introduce that uh, by asking this one question, who is it? who does need rules? Who are rules for? And actually, um, you might be surprised, um, <clears throat> especially in the light of uh, how I've introduced this, that uh, the first thing that the Bible says, actually that rules are for God's redeemed people primarily. God gave these rules, these Ten Commandments, to people he had already rescued. Verse 6, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. It's very important, you see, that we we realise that God has already rescued them. Because many, many people think God gives his law as a means of salvation. If we just follow this set of rules, then we will get to heaven. That's why God gave us the rules. But actually God's law never ever worked like that. When the nation of Israel was enslaved in Egypt and under the, under the uh, terrible tyranny of Pharaoh, God didn't drop down two, sta- two stone tablets from heaven and say, there you go, if you do well enough on there, I might come down and rescue you. No, actually, the Bible tells us that God heard their cries and God remembered that he had promised that he would redeem a people for himself. And because of their helpless cries and his promise and determination, he rescued them. Simply out of his mercy, simply out of his grace, the Ten Commandments were, uh, and God's law were never seen as a pathway towards salvation. No, God gave those laws after he had saved them, after he had rescued them from the, the tyranny of, uh, of Pharaoh. They were the pathway uh, um, after salvation. They were designed, actually, to help them to see how to live this new life that he had given them simply by his grace. See, if you're hoping by your own personal obedience now that that, that will get you to heaven, and let me say, no one ever got to heaven that way. Always, everywhere in the Bible, God saves his people because they cry out to him, on their knees for his mercy he loves to save us by his grace and then he sets us on his feet on our our feet and he gives us hope and he helps us to see how to live as people he has saved people he has redeemed people he has chosen for heaven the ten commandments you see were given to help God's people, to stay free after he, by his grace, had rescued them. We've already uh, uh, seen how Moses originally received them uh, uh, on Mount Sinai. In uh, Egypt, we need to uh, be aware, you see, that they had lived under terrible oppression of Pharaoh who claimed he was a God. But the real God had set them free. I am the Lord your God, he says, who liberated you, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. The first uh, three commandments, the uh, commandments about our relationship with with God, you see, are uh, effectively saying, you stick with me, the real God, because I'm the liberating God. I will set you free. As Jesus put it, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. Because that will keep you free. We've seen as well that uh, uh, they lived in a situation where just raw power ruled. Pharaoh and uh, his agents could just decide to do things and the Israelites had to do it. That is how Egypt worked. Well, in terms of human relationships, says God, I am not going to allow raw power to win the day. The last a uh, number of commandments, which are all about relationships with one another, are all about restraining the power of people who say, I, I will do this simply because I can. I can seduce that woman and so I will do it simply because I can. Don't commit adultery. The security and freedom of living in stable families is vital. To be free. I'll take that uh, that money or that uh, that property that that person owns simply because I st- simply because I can. Don't steal, says God. Because the freedom to enjoy property that we have worked for is very very important to him. The Ten Commandments then are to keep us free, to keep us worshipping the God who gives freedom and to restrain our tendencies, to use power to uh, remove other people's freedom. Very strange actually, isn't it? That actually restraining and controlling our desires sets us free. But that's how life works. The most miserable people are so often the people who've never learned to control their, and channel their desires in healthy directions. The Ten Commandments are for us. The Ten Commandments are to help us to stay free by staying close to the freedom-giving God, by learning how to restrain ourselves so that we and others can be free. Paul puts it in Titus chapter 3 in this way. Remind the people to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, to show true humility towards men. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, He saved us. He set us free as his people. So preserve that freedom so that we're no longer enslaved by those passions and desires. Who needs rules? Well, actually, we do. But these uh, commandments as well are for God's world more widely. Ten Commandments and the Old Testament law in general have been the foundation, for instance, for the the British legal system and they've made it one of the greatest legal systems in history. And uh, interestingly enough, if you look at other cultures that have not been influenced by the Bible, somehow there is a deep instinct in mankind towards following at least some of these Ten Commandments. Almost every society uh, 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 that has ever been has had uh, laws about respecting life and marriage and property because uh, it's not just a set of arbitrary rules for God's redeemed people. It's actually a set of statements fundamental to who we are. It's just that these Ten Commandments crystallize it more clearly than any other culture has ever done. So it is a set of rules for God's world, for a society beyond just the community of of God's redeemed people. But uh, I'm persuaded that we are often wrong in the way that we seek to uh, apply God's law to wider society. and Just turn back a page or so with me to let me explain to you what I'm saying. I'm convinced that Christians often have simply imposed God's law, or tried to, on society as a whole. Christian uh, uh, defeated countries have uh, just had um, vaguely Christian laws given to them without any effort to persuade the population that they are good laws. More recently in America, the Moral Majority Movement tried to manipulate uh, the government to make it pass so-called Christian laws against the will of the majority of the population of America. And understandably, in those situations, there's always a backlash. The classic example in uh, the Uh, the 20th century, was prohibition in America. Christians who were concerned about drunkenness managed to force through a set of laws that stopped the consumption of alcohol. Society as a whole wasn't persuaded that that was good at all. And in fact, uh, what happened was it uh, generated a whole secret drinking culture that ultimately became the seed for the beginnings of the mafia not always good, you see, for Christians, even if we are persuaded that something is good to, uh, by force and manipulation, force it on a population that is not persuaded in that way. And I'm persuaded that the Old Testament and the New Testament never expects Christians to do that. There's a quite different model that the Bible gives us about how the world might be persuaded to follow God's law. And it's found here in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 to 8. Moses says, See, I've taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? What other God is so, nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today. God's intention you see was that the world would follow God's law because Israel was an attractive model community. The nations would decide that they would like to follow the God of Israel of their own accord. Just to give you one other example, it's the, it was the hope of the prophets too. In Isaiah chapter 2, Isaiah promises, many peoples will come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. A spontaneous decision by the world at large, that they have seen something good here that they want to follow. And that's the challenge and the hope that the New Testament sets before the church very clearly. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, says uh, to the Christians, Live such good lives among the pagans that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. See, it seems to me that the, uh, uh, the way that uh, uh, first and foremost that God's wider world is to be uh, encouraged to follow the commandments, is by Christians living characteristically different lives and commending that to the wider world. Years ago, Tom Sign wrote a book called The Mustard Seed Conspiracy. He said, his theme was that the church seems to be tiny and insignificant, like a tiny little mustard seed. But actually, its influence can grow into a great plant. That's what Jesus said the kingdom of God was like, wasn't it? Our world then needs to see the value of God's law, the value of God's rules, the value of these Ten Commandments. But woe betide us if we simply try to impose it upon a world that has decided and voted with its feet at the moment that they will not follow God. We will just create a more monstrous society and people more alienated from Christ because they see him as an oppressor who is forcing them to do what they do not want to do. A major motivation that many, many young people have in this country for abandoning the church is because they feel, rightly or wrongly, they feel that the church actually uh, stood as an authority figure in this country and oppressed people in past ages. God's Church today needs to prove that that is not true. And we will not do it by trying desperately to grab the reins of power. We will do it by being an authentic community who live differently and attract the world to us. So that they are persuaded and they say, come, let us go. To the Lord. Who are rules for then? For God's redeemed people, for God's world, as God's redeemed people live out their lives in this world differently. But there is another thing that needs to be said very, very clearly. By way of introduction, next week we will. Get on to uh, details. Rules are not enough. The sad message of of the Old Testament is that though God had spoken to the people in a dramatic way, the people of Israel didn't follow God. Even while uh, Moses was up there receiving uh, the Ten Commandments, the people were already indulging in idolatry and on it went until actually Israel was utterly condemned by God. It's the New Testament that reveals two vital things that we need to have so clearly in our minds. The New Testament first of all reveals Christ's forgiveness, true forgiveness. Christ's death on the cross was uh, to pay the penalty for a failure that every single one of us will do. None of us will keep God's law. None of us, therefore, can face God unless there is some real forgiveness for us. Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins to pay for our failures, to pay for the times when we didn't obey God's rules. So in one sense, the Ten Commandments are now irrelevant. They are irrelevant as a means to salvation, as in fact they always were, really, because God had already redeemed his people. We need, then, as we read God's rule book, to always to remember, to read it in the context of knowing that we are offered forgiveness in Christ. The second vital thing that the New Testament makes absolutely clear is that actually we can follow God's rules in a new way because of the gift of of the Holy Spirit God promises that he sends his Holy Spirit into every single person who is a Christian to change us from the inside out so that now we actually want to be good in a sense that the that, that, that Old Testament uh, people never really did so that now we start to, to, to experience an inward transformation that sounds very loud Ted have you got it down? Yes. So now we start to experience... Uh, I thought I was being inwardly transformed, transformed then. We, we start to experience an inward transformation that gives us an ability, actually, to follow God's uh, uh, rules more profoundly than we ever could without. So that in another sense, God's uh, uh, commandments become irrelevant Because actually, Christian behavior can surpass them. All over the place in the New Testament, um, uh, Jesus and uh, and, uh, the New Testament letters expect that Christian behavior will go beyond what's written down in the Ten Commandments. Just to give you one example, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In the end, you see, written rules can only say, you should not do that, you should not do that. You should do this. But Paul says true Christian experience creates in us like uh, a plant producing fruit love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self control. Things that you can never legislate for. Only God can create. And he does. I have to say, I discovered after I'd agreed with the deacons that I would uh, um, do a series on the, uh, the Ten Commandments that um, a whole range of great Christian leaders of the, fa- of the past refused ever to preach on them. It shocked me a little bit. Their argument was always the same they said, actually to preach on the Ten Commandments is like telling people to row across the Atlantic when there's a jet plane at hand. Why do it, they said. Well, we will do it. But every time we will find ourselves going to these two great truths in the New Testament which which in a sense put the Ten Commandments in the shade. That Christ has forgiven every sin that we have ever done and will ever do if we simply cry out to him and ask for his forgiveness. That God offers us the Holy Spirit who will transform our hearts and our lives in a way far more profoundly and a set of rules ever could do. Who needs rules? I do. But I need God's forgiveness for breaking them more. I need God's Holy Spirit to help me keep them more than anything else. Then, I will find the real paradise, not the false paradise of the beach, then I will find who I really am and be satisfied. Then I'll be free. Perhaps you want to pray for yourself, privately before God, that he would forgive you, that he would renew you by by his Holy Spirit, that he would bring you close to him. Lord, we prayed for ourselves and we each here are bowed before you as people who need you. As people who not only need to know how to live, Lord, but as we see more clearly how we should live. As people who need the forgiveness of Christ. Renewal in our hearts. By your Holy Spirit. And we pray for our world, Lord. A world full of so many people in pain, so many people who feel lost. Lord, use us, we pray as beacons of your light so that some will say let us go to the great God the living God and find life and freedom we pray these things in Jesus name